Babes, short, stay moist. That's what today's episode is all about. I'm chatting with two babes from WA. It's Larissa Zip and her friend Rachel Thompson. They started this cool group called the Life's Short, Stay Moist. But if you're here for the first time listening to the News Story podcast, then welcome. My name is Isaac, aka Shrek, and uh, I get to interview spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world every other week. Sometimes it's every week. I'm pushing to get it that way. But anyway, today's episode, two girls from WA. So Bert from Old Man Blue, he wrote me a quick email, introduced me to the girls. He says, uh, Larissa and Rachel had a vision to introduce fellow woman divers into the spearfishing world and to network and learn from each other. They applied for a grant and started this thing called Life Short, Stay Moist. Um, we've been lucky enough to cross paths with him and Old Man Blue has sort of become an early sponsor. And he says, I believe that spearfishing is, as a sport is unique. It's perhaps one of the only sports where neither female or male has a distinct advantage. He says, in fact, women bring an element of patience and a methodical outlook that can make them better divers. So very interesting perspective there from Bert. And uh, But I'll tell you what, one of the best things about these girls is they're funny and they now have a, know how to have a good time and it comes out, it's evident in the stories and some of the stuff they shared so hang around for that. Just quickly, I've got a couple of announcements. Uh, Captain Corey James, he's in Panama aboard a sailboat. He's taking people out spearing. He left me a voicemail. Hang around for the back end of the show to listen to that. But uh, he actually even offered me a trip out myself. And if I could get over to Panama, I'll tell you what, I'd take him up. He sounds like a good, fun bloke. So thanks for your voice message, Captain James. Uh, have a listen. Yeah, like I said, it's at the back end of this episode. Um I know a lot of you guys are listening to this podcast on Spotify and uh, it's cool, but on Spotify, it's difficult to leave a, re- I don't even think you can leave a podcast review. If you want to leave a review, head over to Podchaser, search up Noob Spiro and leave us a review there. Uh, I'd love that. It helps me reach more people like you. Uh, people who need a froth-filled and actionable spearfishing podcast. But hey, life's short and I'm all about staying moist. Let's get into today's episode with Larissa and Rachel. Here we go. Today's Veterans Vault is proudly brought to you in partnership with Adreno. Adreno.com.au is a huge range of equipment, from the latest in spear gun technology to the odds and ends that you need, like bungees, booties, and budgie smugglers. Go online to Adreno.com.au to read good, honest reviews and to take advantage of Australia-wide flat rate shipping and a no-hassles returns policy. Don't forget to take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code and save $20 on every purchase over $200. Adreno.com.au Recently, I brought some new equipment online at today's show sponsor, Neptonics.com, and I was super impressed by the quality of the packaging and the before and after sales support. These guys don't muck around. They make awesome, tough, dependable equipment, and their service matches the quality of the equipment they sell. Visit Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% on anything and everything store-wide. If you're shopping in the USA and you spend more than $99, you get free shipping at Neptonics.com. G'day guys, uh, welcome to the News Story Podcast. I've got Larissa Zip and Rachel Thompson, two uh, very cool and down-to-earth ladies from the WA coast. I've started a, a cool initiative, Life's Short, Stay Moist, which uh, is a little bit of double entendre going on there, ladies. <laughs> How are you today? Yeah, good. Yeah, good, thanks. You're both a bit feral, apparently. You've been you've been away on a spearing trip or something, you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we just got back from... So there's like this Mecca that happens every June, July, August in WA where everyone from Perth, as soon as it gets below like 15 degrees, immediately has to head north (laughs) and (laughs) rage. 
has been living up in X now. So we kind of met halfway at Red Bluff and have just spent the last eight days there. And it's just like this insane, barren place of the moon. Well, but no showers, no electricity, no running water. So never, we're pretty sandblasted. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. That sounds like a good getaway and a good adventure. What's the water temp as far north as that? Is it, is it much warmer than your 15-degree Perth? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit warmer still. Yeah. Isn't it like 23 degrees here? Yeah, this time of year probably yeah. it would be about 20, 22, 23. But it's the wind that gets you. Yeah, it's the wind. freezing. Yeah. <laughs> so what, just like campfires every night, brewskis yeah. and spearing in the mm. daytime? Oh, yeah, wow. we didn't actually we didn't actually get to go spearing because the swell was up most of the time that we were there. So we surfed a bit, but unfortunately, yeah, we didn't really get to go. We did take our dive stuff and we um, actually did get – um, pointed in a direction of a couple of dive spots by um, Bert, actually, and um, but we never got to check him out, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So what is the yeah. surfies as well? Yeah. 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 That's kind of what got, well, got me into it for sure, the spearfishing, because I was always really into surfing. And then obviously when you have your days with no swell, I'd just be sitting around while the guys went spearfishing and kind of thought, man, I've got to give this a go. So you're just water babies, both of you, yeah? Yeah. Ironically, because I was born in the middle of Canada, but have adapted <laughs> very quickly to yeah. WA. It's funny, I've got a number of Canadians that listen to the podcast and they reach out and stuff as well, and some of them are landlocked. And um, But I guess the English-speaking side of things, there's just as many water babies in freezing countries as there is in warm countries, it seems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember looking on your uh, – blog and there's a spearfishing club in Edmonton, Alberta, yeah. Yeah. which is where I'm from. And I was just like, where? <laughs> like they've surely just, not at the mall. Do you know anything about this? They've just Can started. Yeah, yeah. The guy emailed me. He's like, we're trying to start this thing here and there's not many people that do it, but we absolutely love it Surprise. and froth on it. And they sent me these photos and um, that was a couple of the Canadians I was talking about. And they were like, Can can you list our club? And I was and it's the it's the lonely Canadian spearfishing club I have. But um, I can That's tell. Epic. Yeah, but I can tell these guys just they've got the energy, they've got the buzz. And like, I don't think spearfishing is a location as much as it is like a mentality and a, and a way of life. Like, you've got to be, there's certain qualities that make you uh, want to spearfish and able to spearfish. There's like persistence and resilience. And if you start in one of those cold countries with really dark, maybe even fresh water, Jeepers, you, you've got all those qualities and more, like like um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, share with me, sort of like your journey thus far. Like, so you started in Canada. When did you move from there, and or did it? Did the water start there, or? Um, the water actually started in Mexico. So that was sort of where I was really drawn to, and not for the water. Let me tell you, tacos, cervezas, <laughs> the Spanish language was what took me there, <laughs> and then, <laughs> um for those same reasons, as well as discovering waves. I kind of got stuck there for two years okay. and got pretty into surfing and then spent a couple of years. Like I was pretty into scuba diving and did a lot of cold water scuba diving up in Vancouver, dry suit. Uh, out around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, haven't had the best luck with dry suits. I'll be honest with you. I've usually ended up wet, but um, there's actually like some really beautiful dive spots up sort of around Squamish area and it's just magnificent. You can go at night, dive right when the sun's going down. And as you come up, all the stars and the mountains are in oh, every wow. direction. It's pretty epic. 
um, but not a lot to spear or fish to hunt there. So it wasn't really until I got to WA and had done this trip up north two or three times um, that I kind of last year, Rach had, I think she had speared a Sambo and we were headed up to Wara together. And I'd seen the picture, so I knew that it could happen and that it was possible for a girl to spear a fish. (laughs) So I thought, oh, well, I'll just buy a spear gun from Adreno. And you know what? If I don't use it, return it at the end of the trip. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, shot a couple of fish and have just been stoked ever since, really. Is it is it awesome having sort of like a backup sport? Because it, like I, I was sharing with someone the other day, like I've got a mate that's a kite surfer. So when the winds are up and the waves are there, like he's happy. He's happy as a pig and poo. He's out doing that and <laughs> ripping mad I was just moves about and to stuff. Say, I feel like the only sport I would want to add in would be kite surfing because it's like windy. It's windy today, and we're like, oh, we can't surf and we can't dive. What are we going to do? <laughs> you need to land one too. Yeah. <laughs> and life's short, and you want to stay moist too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, cool. And oh. preferably not in our own grime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rachel, it's your turn. What about you? So it was similar for you. Are you a WA girl born and bred or? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're not sisters. People do ask us that a lot and then they'll hear Larissa speak and then they'll be like, oh, no, you're not related. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm WA born and bred. Um, I grew up. Oh, well, I grew up um, in the outback in a place called Muckambudin and then we moved to Yarloop and then we finally moved to a little town on the coast called Biddingout and that's sort of where my love for the ocean started. So I was lucky, like I kind of grew up where our house was like 200 metres from the beach and our par- parents would just say, all right, off you go, like there's your playground. So for me, like the ocean's always pretty much been a part of my life and I've been a water baby ever since I was three I think I could swim um and um I would always beg my dad to like go out the back of the reef and you know like kids they just don't seem to feel cold like adults and my dad would always be dreading it but I would be like dad come on come snorkeling with me come out to the back of the reef and so that's sort of where I was introduced to snorkeling um I got introduced to like free diving before I really like knew what it was not that long after that um when we got a little bit older and a little bit more confident and we could go out to the back of the reef without the parents, me and my friends um, started diving on what we like to call wooden caves. <laughs> and, uh, I don't so know you be telling me all that. <laughs> we, we were like kids though. We were like eight or nine. I don't know. Maybe She's a bit never younger. never talked about it since, never. <laughs> <laughs> but we would... Um, we would dive on people's cray pots and let the crays out and free them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, oh, so, wow. yeah, I guess that's sort of like where it all started for me. Um, but the spearfishing, yeah, that actually didn't come in until about, well, a year and a half ago I think I sort of started getting into it. Like I, it was something I always really like wanted to do. Um, but I just for a long time, I wasn't really sure how to go about it. Like I didn't have a boyfriend that was into it or anything like that. Um, so I started off, I bought myself a freediving course. Where'd you do that? I did that through Perth Scuba. Okay. Um, yeah. So I did a freediving course. It was like a two-day course. Paddy. And it was actually, yeah, 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 the paddy one, yeah. And it was actually like really valuable because it was there that I actually, I thought maybe I could hold my breath for 30 seconds 
And then like through doing the course, you find out, oh no, I can actually hold my breath for a lot longer. And then for the for the um dive, the practical part, I guess they took us out to a shipwreck off Bunbury called the Lena Wreck. And it's I think it sits in about 18 meters of water. Where's um, sorry, I'm real ignorant with my geography. Like ever since you said where you grew up, I was like pulling up the map. Like okay, so Bunbury's down sort of between Margaret and uh Perth. Okay, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Southwest right. corner of WA sort of. Is that where you grew up too? Like inland from there or Yeah, inland from there, yeah, Muck and Boon. Well that's sort of out whoop, whoop a bit more, but um yeah, like Kalgoorlie area sort of. Oh yeah, yeah. My yeah, parents yeah, my parents yeah. lived in um Kalgoorlie for uh, maybe a year and a half they were remote transport education officers for um, for WA Transport. So I've ah. never I never got over there though. And yeah, like I'm heading over in two months, so I'm kind of real curious about the area because you know you don't even learn about places until you go there, and then you're like, oh, yeah. okay, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. bu- so so Bunbury. So you were doing a wreck off Bunbury. So I'm sorry, I'm all caught yeah. up now. Yeah, that's okay. Yes, so we were diving this wreck off Bunbury and it was in 18 metres of water and sort of I'd never experienced that feeling where you, like, go to the negative buoyancy and I thought for me, like, that was after, like, experiencing that, that was, like, really, like, turning point for me. That was when I was like, this is unreal. Like, you don't feel like you're being forced back to the surface. You feel like you're, like, meant to be there for a minute. And, um, yeah, that was really when I got hooked and so... From there, I um, yeah, I was living in Perth, and I found out um, there was a free diving club that trained, did pool training. So I thought that might be a good way to maybe meet some spiros or something like that. And it was yeah, mostly free divers <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. weren't at all interested in spearing. But there was one guy, um, Neil. <laughs> shout out to Neil. He actually um, was probably the first person to sort of take me under his wing, I guess, and um, take me out and. Um, yeah, that was when I sort of shot my first fish and then, yeah. Ever what was your first fish? My first fish was um, a 1.2-metre Sambo. <laughs> Holy moly, that's your first yeah. fish. And it was so funny because um, I hadn't loaded my gun before and I remember being too embarrassed to, like, tell Neil that I was struggling to load my gun and I only managed to get one rubber on. So I had one rubber loaded and I didn't want to tell him or anything like that and I dove down And it was a bit of like a gloomy dive that day. Like the visibility was shocking. You couldn't see the bottom. And um, I sort of turned around and I saw a shadow at the corner of my eye and I thought at first it was a shark, but it swam off. So I went back up and did a bit of a breathe up and I dove back down. And, yes, sure enough, I saw the Sambo swim in again. And I know like people kind of say, oh, cat food, but I don't think they're that bad. Chuck them in a curry, chuck them in a fish pie. Mm -hmm. And we had fish for... (laughs) like weeks and I remember coming home to my housemates and they were like not expecting it at all. They were just like, oh, my God. Like they were so excited. The first fish you shoot, like it doesn't even really matter what they are. Like they taste good if you've put the effort into like shooting them, catching them. Did you manage to bleed it and gut it okay? Like how how did you handle a fish like that? Like that's the first fish you shot. It's a decent-sized fish. Like that must have been intimidating all on its own. Yeah, it was, it was like, I remember it was very robotic in my mind. I was like, oh, shit, I've shot the fish. Okay, uh, now what? Oh, swim up, swim up. And it was like very like, um, my thought process at that point was very like, do, do, do. and it was good that Neil was there because he like, he was like, what'd you shoot? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, oh, was it big? And I was like, yeah. And he, so he swam down and he put a second shot in it because oh, awesome. he didn't know 
but he was actually like, oh, your shot was actually pretty good. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he sort of helped me, helped me spike it and, um, yeah, showed me how to bleed it, everything. So, yeah, it was good. <laughs> That's about as good a first-time spearing as you could hope for, I think. Like, sounds like it sounds like like in a you, you've got a default setting that sort of you, where you sort of fall into some sort of systematic thinking when you're under a bit of pressure too. Like, that's a nice default setting to have in, in pressure situations. Yeah. Because, like, for, for a relatively inexperienced person to just go, oh, okay, what do I do now? And then you just sort of worked your way through it without panicking or, you know, like, so that's pretty cool. So you got it up to the boat. You've He's managed to help you icky it. And did, did you get – because bleeding it would be pretty important too on, a, on, on those fish, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely bled it. Um and it was quite funny because he cut it and bled it and said, all right, get in the water, swim around, like, so you can get a photo with your first fish. So, and, like, Mandra, where we were diving that day, is quite n- notorious for a few, a few great whites and stuff like that. So I'm swimming around with this massive bleeding fish <laughs> trying to get a photo. <laughs> uh, so at that point I was a little bit scared, but it was pretty cool experience. So That southwest corner is pretty renowned for, for big great white sharks. Yeah, mm. touch wood, have not seen one yet. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of a there's a bit of talk like going by like when they've studied the stomach contents of like larger great whites. As soon as they get over sort of two point five three meters, they they no really no longer really predate upon as their made food source like fish. They they it's more mammals and stuff like that. So they once they go from juvenile to adults, their their food changes. So I guess that's got to give you some reassurance. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> the curiosity, though, of a struggling fish does bring in um, our men in grey suits uh, at times. So that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you haven't had any scary situations yet. What about you, Larissa? First fish, what do you remember? Or your first memorable one anyway? Um. Well, I think <laughs> my first fish that I did shoot was quite memorable, as it would be. But um, I remember... I don't think I had a gun yet. I think I was using yours. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, now we have the same gun because it <laughs> it provided. What have you got? We've got the Rob Allen 1000, the Sparrow. Yeah. And I think I have two 16s on mine and you have two 14s on yours. No, you've got two 14s. I've got two 16s. <laughs> and we both have a load assist. <laughs> no, I lost my load assist. Okay, well, I do not go anywhere without my lotuses. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to come back to spear guns and lotuses in a sec because it's a real interesting little byline there. But go back to your fish. So we went out about like three hours north of Perth. Like, I don't know, for some reason for me, as soon as I leave Perth Metro, because I have lived down in the southwest for the last two years, Um, So I've got to do lots of exploring of those beaches and there's a ton of spots that just are like ultra remote and have good diving ground, but um, get just hammered with the Southern swell and wind and everything. Um, And just for some reason, getting just North of Perth, I immediately feel more secure in the water and just like can kind of have a bit of clarity when I'm diving and not be, have any of these like running thoughts that I get in the Southwest. So that was a really good place to kind of start and um, get comfortable. I had also done a free diving course um, up up in Exmouth two years prior, but for me, spearfishing was never even on the agenda because being from Canada and not spending a lot of time in the ocean, just like 
the thought of swimming around with dead carcasses on you. You just don't even want to go there. Um, so I'd done one with Joe Knight and he has a one ocean international and, um, it was more focused on like surfing big waves, um, and a bit on sort of free diving, but not really, um, spearfishing related. So when I went out, I went with Rach, um, and we just dove on this like <laughs> place that we've called Baldy Heaven because it's just full of bulging grovers. Um, and it was like pretty mellow ground to go out on like five, six meters and just some ledges, some caves, but nothing too intense. Um, so I could just sort of get a feel of what it was like to dive with a gun and um, yeah, yeah. Feel because it does, yeah. When you're used to like always being on the surface, you kind of take for granted what's going on underneath the, the water. And like, I think that that's been the thing for me with sort of picking up spearfishing and getting into it is that like I've always been drawn to the ocean, but it gives me a whole different framework to experience it through um, getting to hunt and like be fully immersed in that ecosystem. So, what for me, I think Rach was on the surface and I had dove down. I had a go, I, ha- I had it on the GoPro, yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually captured it on video, but I like dove down and I swear the shot was like three meters away, like it was not a close shot. Um, but I just lined it up and shot it, stoned it, got it, got it up to the surface. Is this a bold chin. Yeah. yeah, a baldy. And in the video, you can just hear like rage screaming in the background, <laughs> like real excited. And then, um, yeah, I came up to the surface, pulled it in, was just like amazed that I had done that. And I think from that second, I was like, okay, what's next? Like, let's go. Yeah, this cool. is epic. I like took it off the spear to swim it back to the boat and got, it was probably like, I don't know, maybe a hundred meters or so back to the boat and then was like pretty exhausted, but went to throw it up on the transom and it like bounced off and fell off back into the ocean. So I was just like watching my little glimmering trophy sort of sink to the bottom. Oh, and I was just like, no, 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 no. This is not happening. Like instantly felt such an insane connection with like, this is my food. This is my, I have to get it. (laughs) So like dove down up and down and up and down and finally retrieved this fish, got it on the boat. And then was just like, holy crap, I could pass out right now. (laughs) I really (laughs) need to just chill out. So it was pretty memorable and like such a good day. Like we jagged it with weather and wind and everything. So I think that having those factors and just like realizing from spending an hour or two out there that, it wasn't just immediately going to be like some <laughs> shark fest was like a really good introduction to the sport and my love for it's just kind of grown from there. Yeah. You, you kind of forget how, you know, like everything can cause you anxiety. Like you're already in the ocean, which is the foreign environment. And it's, it's, it's scary for everyone unless you're stupid, I think. Like mm. you're in this place where things can happen. There's big animals like you got current and water temperature, and then you've got all this crap on. Like even though we talk about like oh free dive spearfishing is so simple, you don't have much gear and stuff. You've still got a mask and you've got a wetsuit on and you've got a weight belt and 
you know, you've got a dive mm-hmm. knife and straps and, you know, you've got a spear gun. And if you're not used to all of that, then you jump in the ocean as well. There's a lot to get used to. And so jumping in on a day with shit conditions, like it's a, it's a, it, it can make the experience like, you know, to, to the point where people don't want to get back in the water again. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. Mm. I feel really lucky that we've kind of had that area to explore and visit different spots because you can kind of ease your way mm-hmm. into diving deeper and diving sort of in different sort of locations. But at the same time, you have that assurance and confidence because you know that you've been there. And of course it always changes, but for me, it's definitely been useful and like helpful to kind of go back to the same spots and, um, you know, look for similar structure on the sounder when you're looking for new ground and kind of have those reference points to come back to. Yeah, love it. Um, so we we started to steer off into obstacles there, and particularly spearfishing gear. Like spear guns seem to be a pretty common sort of um, difficulty for for girls. Like obviously, you guys don't have as much upper body strength, um, but you can get around it with technique and time. To walk us through like your guys' learning curve with um, maybe Rachel. You could start with, with with getting used to a spear gun. How did you manage to fluke getting one band on the first time without having any formal training? Did you just like absolutely? I was flopping about on the surface for about 20 minutes just to get that one band and that's why I just gave up on the second. I was like, I'm not going to be able to hold my breath if I try to do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess I didn't know about Lotuses for a long time and so sometimes like I'd even just, you know, pass my gun to my dive buddy to, for them to load it. But like a couple of times that bit me in the butt, like I missed the biggest Spanish mackerel of my life and I'd never shot a pelagic because I couldn't load my own gun. And after that, I was like, right, but something's <laughs> got to change. Um, so yeah, that was when I sort of discovered the load assist. And I think I encouraged like all of the girls that came along to our talk nights and events to start on the load assist because it helps with the technique. And then once you've been using the load assist, like I can mm. now load my gun without it sometimes depending on my fitness but because I'd been using the load assist and building up those muscles and had the crop the proper technique I think if you skip having something like the load assist and you develop a poor technique then you're just always going to sort of struggle yeah um and if there's also um if you don't use a load assist you can get some of the shafts will have that midway loading notch. Loading tab, yeah, so, or a loading yeah, notch. Yeah, so that's that's works well too. Like that's awesome, I think. Just being – because it's more like not necessarily the strength but it's more the length. Like yeah. trying to get my arms to the band and then yeah, put yeah. the gun on your chest and it's – yeah, it's – and I've got a, an 1100 and it's not – so it's not a massive gun but, yeah, I just can't reach so – no, the load assist or the loading tab or the loading notch just gives you that space to just have an extra step in the process. So it yeah. allows you to adjust while while you're not having to hold the tension on the band. And then yeah, you've got exactly. you've got extra time and you just it breaks a like what seems like one seamless step if you've got a short underpowered gun into just multiple steps and it's more approachable. So I like it. Yeah, cool. So is there a brand of loading tab you guys, what's the load assist you get there? Do you know? Is it just one of the store made ones? I think ones? it's the Rob Allen. One. I think it's Rob Allen, yeah. yeah. There's just one, like I think we just picked it up from Adreno. Because I guess the other side of it is like 14 mil bands are great, particularly if you, if you power them up, but you don't really want an underpowered gun either, do you? Mm, no. So there's, there's a learning curve there regardless, isn't there? Like um, mm. even if you've got all the tools and equipment, it's still not that easy either. 
Um, no. And you forget you forget what the learning journey is when you when you uh, when it when you'd learned a while ago. So cool. Yeah, and what works for like me like might not necessarily work for like Larissa or like anyone else. So I think it's just talking to people and asking questions about the way they do things, and then trying different things and figuring out what works best for you. Cool. What other struggles did you guys have? Did you find dive buddies all right? Like what was uh, what was that like? <laughs> well, that was kind of what prompted us to do this whole women in spearfishing series. Like I feel like we were pretty lucky and opportunistic. It came at a good time. Like we'd just been up north and like if you come to Exmouth, you'll see this is like the land of the mermaid. There's just ladies doing epic stuff in the ocean everywhere. And for us, it was like, oh, cool. Like, can't wait to go back to Perth and like hang out with a bunch of girls who want to spearfish. And then literally just got to Perth. Like, okay, cool. You want to go out again, right? (laughs) Literally don't know anyone else who wants to do anything with me in the ocean. So we were like, saw this grant come up from Wreckfish West and, um, they, with like the recreational fishing licenses, a portion of it goes towards supporting community initiatives. So we kind of just thought, oh, well, like we want to meet some girl dive buddies that would be keen on going spearing with us. Like what an epic way to make friends and they can pay for our charter. Sick. (laughs) 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 I mean, they totally liked the idea. So we ran with it. They're really, really good just sort of let us have the flexibility um to plan something that we thought we'd meet five or six girls that were really into spearing that we could kind of start going out with and learn from and you know um and then it kind of accumulated into this series of four events we did two talks and partnered up with the Drino they were super awesome getting um we focused the first event on Um, sort of the basics. So had someone running through what was in their dive bag, someone else talking through um, how to be a good boatie and some like diving etiquette. And then the second um, talk night, we had Tanya from Blueback Freediving. She's the one that runs the pool sessions in Perth that um, Rach is attending. So she sort of talks about breath hold and safety in the water and then had someone from WAC Club discussing the five most common metro species to target uh, in Perth. And we uh, played some games, (laughs) gave away some prizes and stuff um, around those themes. And then did one day of target practice at Point Perrin, which was interesting. (laughs) You want to talk about obstacles during target practice with swell and uh, current. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. But no one was shot, so that's good. No, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> and the 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 target practice, the girls actually really, it was really valuable for them because some of them had never even like seen how to load a gun, like so for them yeah. to be able to get in the water with a gun and practice. And um, some of them didn't even want to shoot it; they yeah. just wanted to touch it. And yeah. then for them to like shoot, but at a still target to get a feel of what it like feels mm-hmm. like to shoot one. Like mm-hmm. it, it was actually really valuable, and we kind of added it in last minute. But I'm yeah. glad that we did. Because they're a bit daunting, like carrying around. I mean, hunting on land, you always are kind of so well-versed in the safety and there's so much talk about like, oh my God, like don't have, you know. Um, But then like spearfishing and 
you essentially have a gun that can do a lot of damage to someone just floating around the ocean. Like I think for a lot of girls, they said, because what the final event one was, was a two day charter out of Lano and a lot of them are Algerian. And, um, a lot of the girls on there were like, yeah, I'm just (laughs) so happy that I got to kind of like swim down in a meter of water where, you know, I wasn't being put in the middle of the ocean um, to kind of just get a feel for like what the weight is and how to load it and everything like that. I, I teach people like when I'm teaching people spearfishing, I we do a dry land exercise with the spear gun. Have you mm. have you guys pulled the shaft out, like extended it fully, and then reloaded it on dry land? Uh, I have a couple times. Yeah, we did. We did sort of pass around some spear um, spear guns at one of the talk nights. For the girls to sort of have a bit of a go, but they were just those little—I don't even know what they're called—those little ones. Yeah, and they're almost like trickier, I think, to load than the bigger ones. As a tool for learning, you can weld the shaft in so that it it won't fire in any way. Oh, you can weld, okay. weld the back of the shaft into the mech, and yeah. then people can even put the bands on. Like you can, you can even practice. But but um, I was useless when I started trying to handle them on dry land because you're used to the water doing some of the work for you in terms of line management and stuff. Absolutely. And, and, um, you're so, like, did I just shrink? Yeah. <laughs> I can't reach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a good effort trying to like give some people a chance to learn the ins and outs of a yeah. spear gun before they're actually spearfishing. Like sometimes I'll, like with spearfishing, like, the way I learned was you just jumped in and had a crack and it's a shit way to learn. Like like learning all the some of these skills and um by themselves is you know, like some people separate out the freediving and it's like, oh cool, at least I can work on finning technique and duck diving and equalizing, maybe doing all that sort of stuff. But then the equipment side of things is a good idea to do that in isolation as well, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like when we were sort of discussing the structure and stuff like that, we I literally just thought what did I, like, what would I have liked to have had at the start mm-hmm. if I could have had that? Because it was, like, completely different, like, the way I started and stuff. And so we wanted to give other people the opportunity to, like, ease into it sort of sort of thing. And I think especially for girls, they kind of, like, really like to know what they're, like, everything that they need to do before they, like, kind of do it and really have a good picture in their heads of what's going to happen. I think that's mm-hmm. a, you get used to logical um, teaching progression, you know, like, and when you're teaching, they call all these micro activities like scaffolding before you go out and you actually do the full, you know, the mm-hmm. full activity. The and yeah, sometimes because there's no, well, there are formal courses you can do for spearfishing, but they're kind of few and far between. Um, Eckhart Benkenstein's got one in Melbourne, and Simon Tripp's got one in Sydney. Apart from that, there's a couple of other people doing scattered types of events around, so it's. Awesome to hear you girls put one together. And sometimes even though you may be a year or two into spearfishing, you don't feel like, oh, I'm not some veteran, like I've only yeah. just just got my shit together. Like you're still in a good place to teach because you've just learned some of those basic things yourself. So Yeah. Well, it yeah. was it made us like relatable to like the girls. We'd like be like, oh, well, I was doing that too, like but now I do it this way or something like that. So I think like <laughs> us not being by any means any kind of professionals was – um, like comforting, I guess, for them. <laughs> yeah. It was quite surprising how many guys, like we got a lot of interest from men being like, can we come? Like, one they don't do actually it. did show up. Yeah, we too. did actually have a guy show up one day. Um, and, yeah, it was quite interesting because even the guys were like, there's nothing like this, like in Perth, mm-hmm. like this is such a good idea. Like you should do one for the boys. So, 
Yeah. There's plenty of opportunity for Noob Spiros <laughs> everywhere, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Oldmanblue.com.au. You can't cheat experience, you can't fake passion, and damn, Old Man Blue can make gear that will last and stand the test of time. Check it out at Old Man Blue Dive on Instagram. Are you in the market for a new spear gun? Killshot Spear Guns has got blue water wahoo tuner guns, open track spear guns, enclosed track spear guns, rear handle enclosed tracks. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Even better, I've got some good news for you. You can save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Use the code NOOB. If you're in store, just say, crikey, mate. Or say Shrek from the Noob Spiro sent you and you'll save $30. Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Check them out. So like a, a lot of guys, like maybe their expectations are different, but sometimes I talk to like like mates at work and that they find out I go spearfishing and then I, you know, like the, straight away they're like, oh, yeah, I, I really want to shoot a fish. And sometimes it's like you just got to curb their expectations a bit. Like it's like, well, you might shoot a fish, like. But, like, if, if we're just doing some rugged shore dive or something, like, I might not even get a fish, and I've been doing it for years. Like, yeah. Did, did, yeah. Did, did you guys find you had to do much of that, like adjusting expectations? Like, a lot of people aren't prepared for dirty, cold water, like the struggles with the equipment, there's equalising, like. Yeah, well, I guess. Or a girl's, a girl's more reasonable, are they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We actually, um, I think the expectations that girls have, uh, they're not, they're happy to just go out for a dive with their friends. And if they get a fish, it's sort of a bonus. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't think there's as much sort of competition between girls as well. Like, so it's not like, oh, Larissa, you shot a fish today and I didn't shoot one. Like, I don't yeah. know. Um, and all of the girls were, well, we actually got like, what, I think 14 girls speared their first fish that weekend in Durian. Yeah, sick. yeah. Well, and we had gone out um, Spear West. The guys there had put us on to this guy, Pete. Pete. And he'd actually like never done a spearfishing charter before, but kind of was super on board with our idea. And so he took us to like kind of progressively more challenging spots. Um, So like the first spot was, you know, you could see land and it was two or three meters and shelf. So you could kind of, if you got nervous, swim over to there. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. And then sort of went into your five meters and then your, you know, eight to 10 meter with like some current and stuff. And so I think for a lot of girls, a lot of their comments too, were we were just really happy that we had done the shore dive before um, and doing the target practice and stuff. So that like, it wasn't so many new factors because for a lot of them, it was the first time they'd ever dove off a boat too. And the first time they'd ever dove in an area where they didn't see land. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I feel like you have to have a pretty gung ho personality to just jump in and be like, okay, I'm with a bunch of people that I don't know. They're probably all guys. (laughs) Like I've never used this equipment. I may or may not feel comfortable in this situation. So I think that I'm really proud of just the environment that we created that was so supportive. And that was something that Pete was just blown away with. Like him and his deckies were like, we've never heard so many cheers. Like literally it was any fish like, and and it was really good to see like a a mix of different levels. Cause if like Larissa and I weren't there 
to like give someone a hand. There were some other girls that had speared before, like that were helping each other out. And yeah, it was just a really nice and supportive environment, I think, from everyone, from the mm-hmm. crew, from everyone. So it was it was pretty good. And it's been cool to see it kind of continue beyond the life of the series. Cause obviously like Rachel's moving up to Exmouth. I was down in Manjimup, so didn't have a lot of time. And we've just been inundated with photos and stories and messages on Instagram and stuff of girls who've just continued to go out. And a couple of girls went to the Abrolis last weekend. Like it's just epic that, you know, they're able to meet and connect and now are just continuing to share the stoke. And, and I don't know, you, for, spearfishing friends is like, it's a different because your friendships forged in the water. Sometimes they they seem to they seem to be more quite meaningful too. Like the, those connections yeah. you make. So, I like yeah. like minded people, I guess. I'm just I'm just checking out your your lady's Instagram now. So it's life, <laughs> life's short underscore stay moist on Instagram. There's a there's some really cool imagery here. There's a lot of just just fishing stoke. I'm loving it. It's good. It's good energy. So, and like, I think that's the thing that a lot of people are like, "Where did the name come from?" Like, <laughs> and I think um, for us, we just like actually just wanted something like really lighthearted, yeah, yeah, and like a bit of fun. And it like really does resemble like we really do think life is better when you're getting in and out, <laughs> like you're spending time in the ocean and like just getting out and doing doing things. So, I yeah, love it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Bert, Bert from Old Man Blue put me on to you guys. Like he said, um, yeah, you guys had a vision to introduce fellow woman divers into the spearfishing world and a network and learn from each other. And, uh, yeah, he, he had some really good things to say about you guys. So I was super excited to get you guys on the show. It's been – we've been trying to tear it up for a little while. So it's cool to have you guys together and to be able to do this. So where to, where to from here with it? Ooh. Oh, we're scared you're going to ask this question. <laughs> it's hard to commit when you're these carefree spirits living at different ends yeah. of the coastline, we're isn't it? Definitely looking at doing some charters. Um, mm-hmm. We've got um, like liverboard charters for an extended period of time because we think um, like that would be like more beneficial to, for girls to be able to go like numerous days in a row. Um, so we're looking at potentially fun. some and just fun and just like spend time together. Uh, so we've got... Um, we're looking at uh, doing maybe a Brolis next April. Um, yeah, Cocos Islands, but that's a bit more uh, organising. So um, we'll see about that one. Or like even play like something like Montebello's, there's liveaboard charters out there, go out there for X amount of days. So we've got some things in the pipelines, but nothing set in stone yet. Yeah, cool. So your charter trip you ran, how many ladies did you have out on there? 34. Yeah, wow. 34. Over two days. Yeah, two days. So you organised a trip over two days with for 34 ladies and you pulled it off. How much yeah. work is involved in organising a trip like that? A lot. <laughs> oh, my God, so much. Take whatever you think and yeah. then multiply it by, like, six. <laughs> and we had we had um, Jess Mangan and Rachel Galati from WA Undersea Club. Like, we sort of um, – I met them at um, a cray diving competition out at Rotto that WA Undersea Club were hosting – and I kind of pitched them an idea and they were, like, so keen to jump on board. So we sort of had, like, a committee of four mm-hmm. um, all working on it together. And, um, yeah, I don't think we realised what we were getting ourselves into until it started and it was too late. We were like, oh, no. Because <laughs> literally the first event at Adreno, we thought, cool, like, we're going to get catering for 25 people. 70 girls showed up. Oh, wicked. Like, it was just, That's freaking yeah. phenomenal. 
74, you would have run out of food and booze. That's terrible. Yeah. Well. Luckily we had it on a Monday. So. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. That, that but, fun. Uh, the, the in-person events are like there's something to be said for them, you know. Like I, I love doing the podcast. I like the online stuff. Social media has got extreme limitations as far as I'm concerned and there's something about just meeting up with a bunch of stoked people that want to talk about the same thing and, and share stories and a few brews. It's bloody. It's a bloody good night. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's probably the next best thing to actually going spearfishing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, like, it was kind of good to do those um, talk nights first because girls that had come to the talk nights then for the short hour were like, oh, I met you at the at the talk night. So they'd already kind of, like, established a bit of a, like, a friendship, which was quite nice, I think, too. One thing with um, organising event is I'm, I'm hoping you guys documented kind of what you did and you've got a little bit of a process in place now. So next time you do it, you've got kind of like a blueprint. Yeah. It should be yeah. a bit easy, you'd hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to have to talk with you guys after we get off the interview because I've got a little bit of an idea circling around in this arena as well. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so. It's so not it's, action. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it's cool though, like, that you guys are still in comms even though you're, you know, 14 hours drive apart. What's spearfishing looking like now for the two of you? I mean, let's start with Rachel because she's in warm water, um, Larissa, so she's having more fun than you. Oh, yeah, give her 90% and then we can just talk about how I sit at my desk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, like it was one of the reasons why I wanted to move up to Exmouth was just to be able to get out and do do the spearfishing and surfing more. Um, So, yeah, coming up here, um, actually the wind's been kind of pretty crappy, like unexpectedly, like lately, but we have been out for a few good drive tricks, trips, and um, a few overnight trips, and I think already like um, like just diving deeper, like where there's bigger fish, and like actually um, having a bit more variety because that was one thing that was really hard starting out in Perth. Like it's pretty heavily fished out there, and you know there's a couple of you know, varieties of fish to shoot, but it's nothing like up here. So it was uh, coming up here was like oh trout over there, ranking cod over there, like. Red emperors over there, like, <laughs> take your pick. Population has a huge impact on fishery, doesn't it? And yeah. Uh, I think it's evident absolutely. on WA. Like, where you've got yeah. sparsely populated areas and relatively untouched um, areas of coastline, you've got an amazing fisheries. And, yeah. mm. like, young blood's Brody Moss, he's in your your area of the, wor- of the world, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's I, I think he's based Exmouth, yeah. Yeah, so everyone's sort of seen his videos if they're in spearfishing, like, I don't follow along too much with his videos these days, but, like, you can just tell from watching them, like, some of the visuals there, like, just some amazing bits of the coastline. Yeah. Yeah, I used to watch a lot of his videos sort of in the earlier days. Like, that was sort of what, like, led me to be like, yeah, I want to try spearfishing. And um, it was, I mean, I've been coming up to Exmouth since I was a kid, so I've always loved it up here. Um, And, yeah, finally made the move and it's been, yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Like, I've shot a heap more fish now, we go so much more regularly and uh, just being in the water and being more comfortable in the water, like, you know, if there's a big bull shark swim by, it's no big deal now, like kind of used to it. So what are you doing for work and what are you doing for dive buddies there and and shore diving, boat diving? I've asked you four questions at once. Um, <laughs> so I um, work for myself from home. I do um, roof timber structure estimating. Um, so it's pretty good. I can be pretty flexible with my work. Um, 
which is one of the reasons why I ended up coming up here because I like had the opportunity to sort of start my own little side business and then that grew. So I was finally able to do that full time. Um, and, um, do probably more boat diving here. Um, we did um, actually had four of the girls from our um, women in spearfishing program up in Exmouth a few weeks ago. So we all went out for a shore dive and um, didn't get any fish. There was not that many fish around, but we did get a um, big painter cray. But a lot of the diving here is out at the islands, like north of Exmouth and stuff like that. Um, it's sort of where you can get a bit deeper and, um, you know, you've got a bit more like structures and stuff like that to find fish. So, yeah, get out there a fair bit. Um, my boyfriend now, he spears too. So he's probably my main dive buddy. <laughs> and nice. um, Did you get him into spearing or, or did you just meet him and he was already nah. a spearer? Yeah, yeah, just met him and he was already a Spiro. Oh, that'd be a pretty good story. Like my girlfriend got me into spearfishing. Like that would be, <laughs> be a good year to have. I think we have had a couple of the girls from the trip who have like got their boyfriends now interested yeah, in it because cool. they've, they've gone and done it. So That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, was that all the questions? I can't remember. <laughs> I think that's pretty good for starters. Like I was just curious about sort of what you're doing day to day now up there and um, – yeah, have you have you found it apart from your boyfriend? Have you guys got a good dive crew up there? Like finding a, a good dive crew and, and like making you know good friendships and having a good understanding and like safe people that you like hanging out with every day. It's it's a it can be like a a time sort of staking you know like taking process like. Yeah, well, like Larissa said, like I feel like everybody up here just froths on the ocean, whether it's surfing or diving. So, like, there's always people that are keen to go. Um, it's like, yeah, it's just the fact that really like the best diving here, you need a boat to get out. So mm. unless you've got someone going with a boat or something like that, it's, it, I mean, there's great, beautiful snorkeling spots with awesome coral and reef fish and stuff like that, but you can't spear in those spots. And, um, yeah, just shore diving is quite limited. So, cool. All right. yeah. All right. And Larissa? You're diving day to day. You're just sitting behind the desk. What are you doing? What's your exciting day to day gig? Um, well, that's a lie. I probably sit behind a desk two days a week, and then luckily get to me in the field three days a week. But I work for Parks and Wildlife in oh, WA. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I've been in Manjimup, probably not on the radar of Spiros, um, in the last eighteen months, which is quite far inland. Um, from Margaret River. So I've had to make the missions up north and south uh, to get out lately, but I've just moved back to Perth. So I'm pretty excited to kind of hit up some of the old spots and do a couple of, I really like kind of around Wedge Island up there. They've just put in a bunch of new campsites and there's some really good waves. So you can kind of get the best of both worlds around there with um, spearing and surfing. And it being really remote, but still close to Perth. So not quite as exciting as x <laughs> but still closer than Manjimup. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, cool. And um, so nothing really on the radar in the, in the immediate future, but um, have you got like personal spearfishing goals? Like what, what's on you guys? Like what species are you sort of looking at targeting next? What are you excited about? Some pelagics. I haven't shot a pelagic yet. Me uh, neither. I want to shoot a wahoo. All right. Me too. Me too. I haven't shot one. Um, so, yeah, I want to get out and do do some blue water stuff. 
yeah, so that, I think that's because I've yeah shot quite a few like reef fish and demersals and stuff now. Um, so yeah, I want to branch out and go. What's yeah, the appeal to pelagic fish? A bit fish? wider, I think. <laughs> Just it, I feel like it's a different kind of hunting like from what I've like seen and been told. <laughs> yeah, they don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's sort of a different different kind of hunting technique. It's a, a little bit, I, I mean, it's always nice to shoot a good coral trout, but <laughs> they're not, not exactly that tricky to shoot, you know. So it's it'll be nice to like have something a little bit more challenging, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you find spearfishing is kind of this like the journey of sort of self-mastery? Like it's like you learn one facet, you start to get a handle on it, and then you're up and learning the next thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And I think you never stop learning too. I think like it's one of those ones where like, yeah, it's just you just keep learning from all the people that you're diving with, different people, like uh, it, always asking questions, more questions. Yeah. I feel like there's on I I don't know the like technique of diving and gear and sort of all of that is one side of it and there's always room for improvement but for me like what's really fascinating is just sorting like I before going scuba diving going snorkeling and could do it for an hour and then was kind of over it but there's just you notice so many more patterns in sort of the natural world and sort of how different species interact and what are indicators that there might be something there or, um, you know, like going back to the same spots year over year, you sort of see the changes in the reef and changes in the communities there. And it's really just like given me a lens to explore the ocean through. And, you know, you always come back from a dive being like Googling, like, why is this fish this color now? Like, um, and I, I love that aspect of it. I feel like it's just an infinite curiosity that's always stoked by getting out there. If your buddy had a blackout on your next spearfishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's, It's not even that hard. That's that hunting conservationist kind of outlook as well. Like, so a lot of a lot of hunters make the argument that they are the ultimate conservationists because that we're the ones that often spend the most time in the environment. Like a hundred percent. Like you know, like you're in the moment. There's no you're not thinking about other stuff. You're directly observing. Like you can't be fifty percent somewhere else while you're doing spearfishing. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. I guess that's partly why your observation um, skills are heightened. I guess, and and it's it's real memorable too. Like you can some some of your best hunts, you can remember everything. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So. I feel like all of your senses are so like in tune at that point in time too. So I feel like things that you wouldn't notice in regular day to day life, you like notice as well. Like notice like your heart like slowing down or things like that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed um, the last trip I went down on an extended trip down to South Australia, 
like a freediving retreat, I um I lost I noticed all the inflammation went out of my body because day to day I deal with a fair bit of stress in my work. And um I came back just feeling like so much healthier from just being in the water as well. But there's so many benefits to 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 the freedive spearfishing lifestyle. Yeah, that's like we're probably the dirtiest we've ever been right now. <laughs> but like the same, like after just having like a nine day camping trip out there and in the ocean pretty much every day, it's really cleansing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel like you notice it in ocean people. Like as soon as I come up to X and just like everyone's so hot and so healthy. <laughs> just like have this glow and all their eyes are bright and blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The city life, eh? That's a that's a yeah. really interesting observation all on its own, I think. Like Yeah, yeah. Um, what about tough situations, ladies? Like, have you had any like scary stuff like near misses, things you've you've learnt like along the way? You have range. Yeah, I definitely think um, like uh, there was one time where I was swimming somewhere, it was quite current, like there was a lot of current and um, water moving and stuff like that. And I went into a cave and like thought, you know, I've got plenty of breath hold, I'll be able to get like out. But then the current came pushing through the cave and pushed me way deeper in than like I felt being comfortable and stuff like that. Um and in that moment, just trying to be like, all right, don't panic. Like, you're calm, you're cool, it's all good. Like, just swim back towards the light. <laughs> um, so that was pretty scary. And now I think I'm a lot more sort of um, like I'll pay attention. If I'm going into a cave, I'll pay attention to like when the current's moving and when it's not. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you can't like plan for those things, but I think it's also just knowing to not panic in those situations. Surge is massive, eh? Yeah, and, and it can yeah. be unpredictable too. Like, like you get your your big sets because you, you you girls are surfies, you'd know too. Like, those yeah. the, the you get the big waves come through on your on your big sets, and the, the amount of surge and turbulence that creates, especially um on the bottom at times, like it can be it can be quite surprising because like you might have five minutes, it's relatively calm, so you get you get a bit confident, and then it's just stuff happens underwater that you can't really plan and prepare for. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think like since being up in Exmouth as well, we've had a couple of run-ins with some bull sharks that has been pretty hectic. Um, but yeah, nobody was injured and everybody got out of that okay. Um, but yeah, again, like just not panicking. You know, that's I think the key thing. Like if you're in a stressful moment, and I think I learnt this from um, watching one of Kimmy Werner's videos like when it's stressful or a sticky situation to like slow down and not speed up. So I think that's something that I've always got in the back of my head, like in those situations. That's her TED talk. Yeah, yeah. When everything's telling you to speed up, you need to slow down. Yeah. It's a really, it was a really good message actually. Yeah. Um, With bull sharks in particular, um, have you developed any strategies for dealing with them when they are aggressive? When have they been aggressive and sort of what's, what's, What's happened? Noticeably when the, we're diving in not good visibility, that seems to be when they seem to be a bit more aggressive. Um, there's seen a couple now when it's been clearer days and they've just kind of done their own thing. Um, but I think when it's been murky days, that's when they've definitely been more aggressive. And I guess, yeah, a couple of the times we've like, not nah, out of the water, like this one's too feisty sort of thing. So it's just not worth it at the end of the day, not worth risking it. Like just go to another spot, find another fish. You, you don't have the reaction times to deal with them in, in, in five metres of viz. Like 
Yeah, T- ten meters of is they seem to be a different animal. I I I, I know what you mean. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, cool. All right, um, we we talked a lot about um, uh, life's short, stay moist. Um, I guess like. If ladies are interested on the WA coast, can they reach out to your Instagram page and get in contact with you guys there? Yeah. 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 We also, so definitely follow if we do, because we'll probably do another series um, coming into next diving season next summer on WA coast. Um, That's kind of in the works and then charters coming up. But we also have a Facebook page that's private. So you just have to request, I think it's like ladies spearfishing yeah. Australia, Western Australia. Ladies freediving and spearfishing. Yeah. And group. where that's sort of just a forum for girls. They've used it to connect um, with other dive buddies, not just in WA, but around Australia and, you know, ask questions about gear, tips, sort of share some recipes and stuff. And it's, yeah, been a really, really lively community. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not, we're not finished the interview yet but I like if people are looking for any of these links I'm going to link them up in today's interview so it'll be noobspirit.com yeah. forward slash I'll do forward slash LSSM life short yeah. <laughs> that way people can remember it and then I'll link yeah. up your your um your ladies group there and your Instagram and stuff as well so that'd be cool yeah, yeah. um on to funny stuff though um I'm really fond of a poo joke I don't know if you guys have heard this um I don't get enough <laughs> lady poo stories so Feel free to to share. <laughs> you don't have to. Just any oh. funny story. You don't have to. You've got a good surfing one. Oh, God. <laughs> she landed you in it there, Larissa. you got to oh, share now. Great. Okay. Do I really have to tell this? Like, yeah, are we still recording? <laughs> it's pretty gross. Okay. Love it. But you know what? YOLO. <laughs> um, Life's short. During my time in Mexico, I ended up inheriting a van that me and five other fellow surfers drove up the West Coast. Um, and we stumbled upon a place called Saladitas. Great longboarding wave. Like, if you love longboarding, go to Las Saladitas. Still can't believe I'm now telling the story. You owe me so many beers tonight. <laughs> um, and, well, the two guys, there was two Aussie guys, and they just, like, would always be going on about aqua bogs and how, like, liberating it felt <laughs> and how it was just, like, next level, had to experience it in this lifetime. The sooner, the better. You don't know what living is until you've done it. Mexico, you don't need to wear wetsuits. So perfect time to, you know... Try something new called an aquabot. <laughs> and it's just like fairly far out there. Like there's a couple of waves in the vicinity. Um, so kind of found my own spot, had something brewing, tacos and cervezas, <laughs> like I said. Um, and was like, you know what? Today's the day. Had a nice little aquabog, caught a wave, <laughs> and then... Just saw my friend paddling out and like this aqua bog in whitewash coming straight for her head. And I'm just like mortified. Like close your goddamn mouth immediately. (laughs) Plug your ears. We're not dealing with typhoid on this trip. And um, that was my one and done. I've never done it again. Never would. 
wasn't liberating, wasn't great. (laughs) I'm still living. Feel great living. So that's my like PSA. Yeah. Know where your friends are if you're in the Aquabog. Yeah. It would have been better if it had landed on the Aussie guys. Like. Oh, yeah. I should have picked it up and threw it at them in <laughs> retrospect. <laughs> Maybe I'll just mail them some. <laughs> uh, That's good. I love a good poo story. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for that. Rachel, what about you? Funny stuff, Spearing? Um, oh, no poo stories for me yet. Um <laughs> I am very okay. much still a fan <laughs> of the Bob, but I haven't been traumatised from past experiences. Um, um, almost kill your friend, stone your friend. <laughs> um, funny stories. Um, well, I think um, this is kind of one for Larissa as well, but we tried to make a homemade dial once. and um, A dial? The homemade dial, like the fish oh. dial. Um, what do you call it? Like a um, flasher. Flasher. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We tried to make a homemade dial, and um, it when we pulled it out, it was just like this tangled, knotted mess, and we were just like, "Oh God, that was an epic fail." I don't think it even went in the water. We trying to make like one of the buzz bomb, like Chris Coates style ones with a goon sack. Uh yeah, we didn't have a goon sack, but we had spoons and CDs, and. Uh, what, was, what else was on it? I think that was spoons and CDs and that was about it. Anything shiny that was under $2 at the op shop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of done that one myself, so I get it, yeah. yeah. Did it work? Nah, nah. Well, they'll all, they will all work, but they, it's just like, you know, like you're going to feel guilty if they eventually break off and end up on the bottom of the ocean floor as well because it's like I don't really want to yeah. contribute to that and um yeah, but um, the Chris Coates one, like he's got a DIY video guide on YouTube. I'd encourage people to check that out. And they're, they're apparently super effective and, and nearly free to make. So one, once you've got your, your turkey float or whatever uh, and a bit of heavy gauge mono, away, away you go. Hey, Shrek. Jeremy here, man. I'm back. I just wanted to say the podcast is growing from strength to strength, my friend. Hoorah, man. I just wanted to also say thank you to your listeners for their uh, continued support, subscribing, reading, writing, and submitting kick-ass spearfishing adventures from all over the planet. Your listeners kick-ass, and Shrek, my friend, so do you. All you guys, come check out the latest edition of Spearing Magazine at spearingmagazine.com. Jeremy out. You're at different ends of the coastline and different sort of temperature water. So what's in your dive bag? What wetsuits are you girls rocking? <gasps> oh, uh, are we allowed to say? I don't know if we are. Are we? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. We just got some new wetsuits, so we're pretty keen to try them, them out. Um, but actually, funny, before that, like I never had a dive wetsuit for probably the first year. Like, So we would just take our surfing weddies and put like a thong um, mm. Down for a chest plate. And the, um, how, how good are they, though? Yeah. Honestly, uh, so really good. Yeah. 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 Oh, it makes a big difference, mm. I think. <laughs> makes a huge difference, I reckon. Because the thongs are thicker than anything any of the wetsuits have got on them. And because um, uh, some of them are so thin, you might as well have nothing. Yeah. Like, mm, and you got to, yeah. if you've powered up your gun, like you're pulling 50 kilos of force on each band or maybe a little bit more. It's a lot of pressure to have on a very narrow part of your chest. Yeah. So, 
Mm. Yeah. But um, what else is in my dive bag? I think I've got a Rob Allen mask. So you're, are you, you're trialling some secret squirrels wet, wetsuits here, trial stuff, are you? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Trying cool. We're not really sure if we can divulge details. Yeah. yeah, you're right. No, all good. All good. Yeah. All right. So Rob Allen spear guns. Fins? Yeah, I've got carbon fibres. What brand? Um, they're leader leader fins, I think. Okay. Um, but I changed. I had to change the foot pockets out because when you're a girl and you've got little feet, finding foot pockets that fit is like in, near on impossible. Oh, really? So I think I changed mine out for some spore spore sub, where a smaller and like narrow, a little bit more narrow, which was good because the the leader fins. I think I got them in the smallest size that I could, but they were quite wide, so my feet would wobble around even with my dive socks on my feet would wobble around in my fins and it's not very effective when you're trying to get deeper or whatever 100 percent. and if you fit it doesn't matter how good the blades are if your foot pockets are shit like if you've got play in your foot pocket you don't get that tr- smooth transfer of energy so um so you, you you've wasted your money on your blades so getting a good foot pocket's as important as getting a good blade so cool. yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. love it okay um but you're in the warmer water, so what wetsuit are you rocking, like a three mil or? Oh, um, yeah, I've got a three mil. I still get pretty cold. Like this time of year the water's cold for me up here, so I've got a five mil dive wetting. Yeah, fair <laughs> so, enough. So, yeah, I will still wear that. In the summer, though, you can you can just go in your bikinis or like a little surfing spring suit or something like that because it's pretty like warm in the water, but then the jellyfish can be um, a bit of an issue with that too. So I did cop quite a few jellyfish stings on the last trip. Lucky nothing serious, like near a kanji, but the red bells still still hurt when they get ya. So stinger suits, eh? Yeah, yeah. Those like sort of just sometimes I'll just like chuck on some leggings under like my little surf weddy or something like that. Um for but, the protection. Yeah, just <laughs> for the protection. And it's nice like when you're down on the reef and you're like laying in the reef and stuff like that to sort of have that layer, mm. you know, that layer on top for a bit of protection as well. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. I was just going to give a quick shout-out to a buddy who started something with a – I'm not sure if he's got, like, the full things going yet, but it's Fish Skins AU. Um, oh, some yeah. Some good Aussie-made, like, stuff. I don't know if he's got the full Stinger suits going yet, but anyway, um, yeah, cool. Have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Larissa, gear in the south? Um. Well, I, like, just – dive if I'm diving in cold water with my Canadian surf suit. So that's a five, four with hood, booties, gloves, everything. Um, and honestly, like it's so thick <laughs> and it's a chest zip. Like I, it doesn't even bother me really loading too much. I don't even rock the thong. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my suit. I'm, I'm like not a gear person at all so i'm just like huh, is it warm can i wear it i'm in sweet you got the scorpia so you got the the rob allen scorpia as well it's just a good like the toyota of spear guns pretty much like um can't go wrong with that F- fins though did you lay out some cash on some fins or are you rocking plastics um i don't even know like i bought them when i started spear fishing but Someone told me they were good, so <laughs> I don't know. They work, um, but they're like free diving fins. Do you know what? I don't know what brand yours are. I don't know. Um, but yeah, 
just like pretty basic setup from Adreno in terms of mask and dive gear and stuff, but I just don't go anywhere without my load assist because <laughs> I'm a wuss. Load assist is key. Yeah, sick. All right, cool. Okay, cool. So your, your enthusiasm for gear just came out like loud and clear there, Larissa. Like you were just absolutely <laughs> frothing. Your eyes lit up and you were just like, gear. Yeah. But, uh, I find yeah. it sometimes it's nice to be that person with all the stingy gear though because then it's like when you shoot a good fish and the people with all the like good gear don't shoot a good fish, you're like, yeah, in my surf party. <laughs> yeah. I spend all my money on surfboards, so. <laughs> Fair enough. You've got a quiver. Let's do Spiro Q&A, which is like a faster-paced round on the way out. Um, I'm going to do like five of these suckers, so you can do like two each and then maybe both answer the last one. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds uh, good. All right, cool. Larissa, what would be your fish of a lifetime? Oh, man. Okay, this is going to sound so lame, but it's just because I've spent so much time in the Southwest and it's really renowned for blue gropers. And I find them just a fascinating fish, like that they're a hermaphrodite and they change after like two years and they stick in pairs. So I'd be devastated to actually have to shoot one, but they're just so pretty and so massive on the South Coast. Plus it would give me an excuse to dive some of the spots that I've found, but not had the right weather conditions to go back to. So that or a Mackie, I really want to shoot a pelagic. So that would be fun. All right, cool. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Rachel, what is the spearfishing destination that you would most like to go to and why? Um, well, at the moment, given that overseas travel is a bit tricky, um, I don't know. I think it would probably be like South Australia or something. I would love to go mm. somewhere completely cold and completely different. Like, I feel like I've got a pretty good, like, nice warm water <laughs> and tropical fish up here. But there's something really appealing about like the cold, like Southern Ocean and like just a bit more like rough and rugged and just something completely different. Well, I've got a recommendation for you ladies then, funnily <laughs> enough. Um, uh, Adam Stern or um, Eckhart Benkenstein and um, Adam Sellers, they both, both Adam, Adam Sellers and Eckhart run a, a combined um, getaway, like a freediving retreat in Killsby mm. Sinkhole. And then there's really good spearfishing within like 30 minutes drive from there and it's shore diving. So oh. I would 100% recommend that. And they stay in this old jail in um, Mount Gambia and it's oh, a wicked okay. place to stay. If you, if, you, if you ladies are interested in doing a trip down there, yeah. those guys would yeah. be hella interested in that. Adam Stern, also a mad cool guy. You could take a crew of ladies down there and you'd have an absolute ball. Um, so oh, yeah, right down there. <laughs> yeah, and it's not it's not super expensive. Like the jails, like like a backpackers, but the, it's really nice accommodation. I loved it. Yeah, I'm going to mm. go back and do another one there because it was just so good. Such a good yeah, getaway, definitely so. something to look into. Yeah, cool. All right, um, so we broke from the faster pace round of questions there. So I could, uh, just no, nah, that's all good. Um, Larissa, who has been the most influential personal people in your spearfishing? Probably rage, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, I put you on the spot there. You had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I guess because it had been a good two years that I'd just been like the bag holder and swim beside like um, guys spearfishing and sort of them getting the fish and me just not even thinking that I would have the confidence to do it. Um, so when Rach just sort of jumped in and didn't let anything be an obstacle and sort of, you know, 
got out there and did it, I was just like, well, why can't I? <laughs> and that sort of, yeah, launched me getting into the sport. No. <laughs> uh, that's a nice one. Um, okay, Rachel, if you could go back in time to when you were just starting, give yourself some advice, what would you say? Just to go, go on boats, go as much as you can because there was just a lot of opportunities where I was like, oh, like just feeling a bit unsure or whatever <clears> and <throat> so I turned down the opportunities but, yeah, just go for it, go as much as you can, shore dives, boat dives, you know, like a lot of the people that I was first diving with like before Lars and stuff got into it, like they were so great. So those opportunities to get out on the boats with them uh, were the biggest learning curves. So, yeah, I think just don't be so timid and stuff and don't be so intimidated. Yeah, and just go. Just go. All right, love it. All right, and both of you guys, um, I'll get an answer each out here. Could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you in one sentence? Got to mm. finish on a one sentence and a philosophical. I think note. I think it's empowering to be able to go out and like source your own food. Um, yes, I think that would be mine. It's 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 empowering. Um, spearfishing <laughs> to me is just like. A complete immersion in the ocean that fills me with wonder and curiosity. Cool. Awesome, guys. So life's short uh, underscore stay moist on Instagram. Everyone can come check it out on noobspirit.com forward slash LSSM. I get yeah, that right? Yeah. yeah. Right, cool. <laughs> and, um, and then so I'll link up everything we've chatted about today. But it's been a real pleasure chatting with you ladies. And, um, uh, yeah, we'll catch up after. I really want to chat with you about some, some ideas down in the – further in the pipelines but um yeah yeah yeah. i love your work and um i hope there's more events in the future thank you thanks so much for having us yeah (laughs) larissa and rachel guys what a pair of absolute champions life short stay moist A, a a bag of laughs and a good good fun girls really enjoyed today's interview so thank you rachel and larissa for joining me hey in one week's time, we're off to chat with a couple of really cool guys. We've got Travis Corkin and Andre Urerakura. They have put together a documentary called A Journey Beneath. I actually partially narrated this thing. The music and some of the visuals in this thing are absolutely popping. The theme is sort of friendship, but they go all over the world and shoot some amazing fish. But it's just like, I don't know, it's just one of those ones where you sit there and you just enjoy the experience. And um, so next week I'm back with uh, with Dre and Trav and we are just going to chat all the way through and we're just going to chat all about A Journey Beneath and uh, how you can find it and watch it for yourself. And we talk about sort of what happens in, 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 uh, and how hard some of, the, you know, some of the crazy stories and stuff they had from making it. But anyway, if you love the Noob Spiro podcast, love it if you become a patron listener, go to patreon.com forward slash Noob Spiro, join more than 40 patron legends who are helping to support the podcast and hopefully, hopefully when I get enough patrons, we'll be able to make this thing weekly and uh, ramp it up and interview even more spearfishing legends from around the world. If you're listening on Spotify, I would love for you to go to Podchaser, search up Noob Spear and leave us a review there. But that's it for me today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Join me back in one week's time for A Journey Beneath. How you doing, buddy? I'm leaving you a message from Panama. What the deal is, is I'm a spearfishing guy. I'm not, I'm not real good, but I've been spearfishing the last two years off of my sailing boat. 
And we lived a lot of the part of the year in San Blas Islands, Punayala. There's great spearfishing there, and I go out all the time with the, the natives that live there. Anyway, man, I'm trying to I'm trying to get some bookings for my boat this next year. I take people out on charters for about a week, and I can take you out to all the places that, I, that I'm spearing at. And uh, we can hang out with the Kunas, the Indians there. can smoke fish, make coconut oil, and uh, do a little bit of sailing around. Otherwise, next year, if you're interested, let me know. I'm going to be back on the boat in, uh, in December as well. Holler at me. In 2001, Adreno was a tiny hole-in-the-wall shop and it was near impossible to get spearfishing equipment in Australia. Without Adreno, many people would never have discovered the joy of spearfishing. To continue their legacy, they've created a highly effective 101 basic spearfishing series for free that you can check out on the Adreno YouTube channel. Adreno may be bigger now, but it's still a company that's focused on helping people discover the spearfishing experience for themselves. Check out the Adreno YouTube channel for plenty of awesome vids to help you on your spearing journey. Today's Noob Sparrow podcast is brought to you by Neptonics.com. For US divers, Neptonics is the one-stop shop for all of your spearfishing essentials. They've got free shipping on every order over $99. Now you can use the Noob10 code to save 10% off anything and everything store-wide. 10% off store-wide. Use the code Noob10 at Neptonics.com. Boom! Boom!